0: Hello,
2: welcome to part two. We are discussing fear with Gizzy Erskine and Fat Tony. With fear, I think I meant more the education. So I was brought up by my dad and we had, we, we weren't poor, we did not go without. My dad was a skilled manual labourer. Yes, we lived in a council house, but we bought it, thanks to Margaret Thatcher. And my dad <laughs> dug it my dad dug a swimming pool in the back garden with a JCB, you know, we had a conservatory, but I was still brought up to think life's shit, it'll be shit, and you'll probably finish it with nothing. That's the mantra. Life shit, it'll be shit, you'll finish it with nothing. Because yeah. we're scum, so we go back to scum. That, he didn't use those words, but that's the, what was put into me. Regardless of... In, this is why I think class is so complicated. Because it ain't really about wedge. You look at me, I'm fucking absolutely like doing so well at stand-up. <laughs> yeah. But I still feel like... I yeah. still feel like I, I'm more comfortable in spoons than the Chiswick cars.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I I, I I struggle with that whole thing. I come from a council estate in Battersea, and, you know, we always lived in the council houses, and my dad was a plumber. I was horrified when my mum got a job at Buckingham Palace because I thought people were going to think we were posh. My mum worked as a cleaner there for years and years and years, and I, every time she said to someone I work at Buckingham Palace, I was like, don't, they're going to think we're rich, they're going to think we're rich. You know... Sometimes I find myself doing these jobs with society people, royals, for instance. That's a real struggle for me because I always think I don't belong there, I don't deserve them judging me. I will always go to that point of they're judging me. Instead of me, it's actually really me judging them. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Totally, I'm doing their thinking for them. And, you know, it's always been a struggle, but I just think the, the older you get and the more acceptance you get around who you are and where you come from and where you are right now, you can actually enjoy being in the moment more. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Unless you're on a plane flying to Miami, that is. You know. What I mean? <laughs> yeah. But do you think um, this idea? Let's stay
2: on with money then. Let's uh, let's talk about the money aspect because you brought it up. The fear of being broke. Do you think that disproportionately affects boys more than girls? It shouldn't. But the way boys are raised, like in this Neanderthal provider type way, mm. it shouldn't. Why should it worry me more than it worries Lindsay? My missus, but I bet you
1: it does. You know, for me, I've been broke. I've lived on the streets. I was homeless for 15 and a half years ago. I was homeless. I had no teeth. I lived on the street. Not for very long, for about four or five months. But, you know, that's long enough. And, you know, I, I, my, my biggest fear is actually going backwards into that area. So yeah. I, I, I am really bad with money. I will go and spend hideous amounts of money on clothes every week and I will justify it. But then, when it comes to paying an electricity bill or something like that, I'm horrified by it. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. Oh my God, two hundred and eighty pounds. Do you know what I mean? It's like mental. You got like your Versace mental. suit, but you kind of thought to switch the light on and look at it. <laughs> exactly. Do you know? What I get that for but no- I get Versace for nothing, so it's fine. But you know, it's just you know it's that that thinking. And I, I, it's one of my biggest fears of actually being broke. Yeah. Being broke. Do you get know what I mean? It's it, it's it's a terrible one because I've been there.
3: Yeah, I feel I feel yeah. exactly the same as you. Like I've really hustled. Everything in my life has been a hustle, and it's just one hundred percent. The idea of constantly not being on that energy level of like constantly, even if even if I've got it's it's stable, it's still like almost like the biggest addiction of my life is the hustle because I'm so terrified of not having money again of
2: course and we we all are but why does do you i know it sounds so sexist but we've got to go there why does this affect men more it should i don't
3: agree i I see i don't think it does actually like okay good but but i don't know if this is like a new again modernist version of a female but i'm going to say most of the women that i i know and i sort of hang out with are at the very least fully equal with their partners if not on a bigger hustle. I mean, I've looked after every single one of my boyfriends ever, my whole entire life.
2: The hustle, yes, but that's different to the fear of not having being
1: equal in in your strength of your hustle. Well, I'm
3: sure, surely, if there is, I've never, I've never noticed the fear in the same way that I have with my female friends.
1: But can I just say something? It's different for gay and straight straight men are totally different because mm. gay men aren't providers. They've got nothing to provide, provide for. They don't have six kids. They don't have, you know, they don't have to be the the only one that works with that old school mentality of the man has to provide. And I think that's also a learned behaviour, Russell. When we brought up, my dad was the provider in our house. My mum had a little side hustle at Buckingham Palace, but my dad was the main provider. My dad was always in charge of the TV remote. My dad was always in charge of paying bills. Do you get what I'm saying to you? So we learn that behaviour growing up. Exactly. That's our learned behaviour.
3: How does that work in a relationship with two guys then, is it?
1: Well, you know, nine out of ten gays would rather buy Balenciaga trainers (laughs) than they would pay their bills. I
2: feel like that's Balenciaga's new advertising campaign. Do you know that nine out of ten gays would rather have our trainers? (laughs) (laughs) 100%.
1: You know that, on the tube. But you know what? It's like, I am a caretaker. I'm a big caretaker, I take after my dad, I have that in me, I would like to look after someone, if they want something, I'll get it for them. Because, you know, it, it, it ticks my ego, it makes my ego better, it makes it feeds that fear of still wanting to be wanted and having a purpose. And I think that happens for a lot of gay men.
3: I, I wonder, because in, in my instance, I, my, my father wasn't around, so I was brought up by a mum who was a single parent, she had three kids, three girls, and she showed me the hustle. So it was like, she was the breadwinner. She was the one who had to go out and do this to keep us, you know, going.
2: So Gizzy, I think I, think I finally got a less ham-fisted way of verbalising what I'm trying to say to you. So I'm married to one of the fucking biggest hustlers. on the. Lindsay's got three businesses on the go at the moment. She's like, How can we make money? How can I win? A lot of my female friends yeah. are like that. And a, a lot of enlight, enlightened relationships, most relationships are like that. What my female friends seem to be better at than my male friends are hustling... Without the pit of, I'll kill myself if it goes wrong underneath them. I think that's what I'm saying. So women hustle better without the fear, whereas my male friends are hustling. No,
3: that's right. right,
2: I'll put 300 grand into this uh, beach club, and if it goes wrong, I'll just fucking kill myself. And that happens all the time with men.
3: Yeah, that is very true. I I think that that's well... You've worded that very well.
2: So the fear is what I'm talking about. By implying that women don't have a fear of brokenness, I'm not saying they don't Mm. hustle. They hustle better than men. I'm saying that built into men, for all the reasons Tony Mm. has just described about this bad socialisation and this learnt behaviour... We're hustling without a safety net. Lindsay's safety net is if it goes wrong, we'll find a way. We'll find a solution. It's never as bad as you think. I can sort it out. Yeah, we'll find a way. Whereas That's my, so true. I think a lot of men are peddling without a safety yeah. net and they don't realise until it's too yeah. late.
3: Absolutely. No, I give you that completely. <laughs> Agreement. <laughs>
2: Um, do you think uh, that we're, at the moment we've become more fearful as a nation as well, like COVID, Brexit and all of that? And I don't want, get, don't want to get like all political in that, but...
1: 100%. But, you know, we're not going to get political, but we'd wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, put on the television, and we were pumped full of fear for, until we went to bed, constantly by the media on every level. You know, you had Piers Morgan shouting, literally shouting for an hour and a half every morning. <laughs> then it went on to this morning, and everything that when you were at home during the pandemic was fear-based, fear-based, fear-based. They wanted to keep us in fear. We're back in it again now. Yeah. You know, we've just come out of a pandemic. Everyone's scared of going back into another pandemic. We've now got monkeypox. You know, and, and it, you know, we're all, we're all making jokes about it. We're all doing great memes about it. <laughs> but we were doing that oh, right no. at the start Quite of the big. last pandemic.
3: It's almost like a place to hide behind in
1: itself. How many bat jokes did we do? How many bat jokes and Wuhan jokes and all of that stuff before suddenly we realized it was on PC <laughs> and we removed it all. But you get know what I'm saying to you? Yeah. That fear is still being pumped through us. You know, we as a nation, they love to keep us fear, fear-based. We, we live, a lot of people thrive on fear. You know, I probably play my best set when I'm ner- more nervous Same. about anything. Fucking Literally, when, those nerves are what keep us good at our game. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying, to you? But it's it's how far we take those nerves yeah. and that fear. Do you know, I think fear in a, in a lot of the stuff we do for a living is a good thing. If I wasn't feared and I was complacent, I'd probably be shit at my job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, but that will be of fear...
3: that you, that fear, that you probably need to move on is when you're just like... Not giving any oh, shit about
1: it. Oh, a piece of piss. Anything that's a piece of piss <laughs> <laughs> is shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Always. Oh, yeah, it was a piece of piss. And every day, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, of course it was. You know what I mean? But <laughs> the more feared up I am around stuff, the better I am, the better I act, the better I perform.
2: Yeah. I was going to ask you about, well, it's two parts there. First of all, I want your opinion on whether you think we've become more fearful as a nation, but then I also want to hear how you weaponize and use fear to your advantage in your um, vocational pursuits.
3: So, yeah, I agree with Tony. Everything Tony said is, I totally agree with. We've all, we have been pumped full of it. And, you know, without getting political, it's been uh, a way for to be controlled as, as a nation nations for a very long time. So... Um, but in myself, I guess you get galvanized, don't you? It's, you know, I'm actually really seriously shy as well. And I don't have, I think everyone in our industry, like we all flock together because of these sort of being on slightly different planes, you know, I think it's, you know, if you're creative, you tend to sort of work. And if you sort of like a, a energetic, I mean, I have ADHD, I'm pretty sure a lot of people in our industries do, you know, and you sit on a different level and it's, it's literally a splurge of nervous energy, you know, a lot of it. So... Yeah. I just think, you know, it's, it's really galvanizing. It makes you sort of want to, you, you, but you're forced into it. It's, it's being forced. The reason that I'm now capable to do this is because I forced myself into it every single day until, you know, you still like Tony said, you still get nervous every single day, but you know, with me in cooking, like I, you know, one of the things that was interesting, you know, there's been a lot of people exposing my industry at the moment. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's really had to change. You know, I'm, I'm from the, the space where kitchens were really, really terrifying. I've worked in some of the, the scariest kitchens, arguably in the world. And I was under um, sort of, uh, you know, being orchestrated by some of the sort of most terrifying chefs. I've seen some mad shit go down in kitchens. I've seen people be shoved in bins. I've seen hot oil be thrown around. I've seen, you know, people be fully beaten black and blue by their boss, you know. And there was a side to that, that made, which, you know, it's completely not okay and this new modern take on how my industry needs to be completely not like that anymore and all of this stuff does need exposing. And
2: Yeah, it's like a, me, like a Me Too-ish type reaction.
3: It was, yeah. I mean, it's still going. But, you know, there, there was an element to that where I, when I was a young chef, you know, 20 years ago, I would be there, you know, going to work. My heart would be beating. I'd be, like, having an absolute mental breakdown every single day. But as Tony said, it, it does... You know, it made you good. You're you suddenly become more acute. You're you're working on a sort of different level. Whereas now, I've got to be honest, in my kitchens, it's very hard to find staff who care as much as back then, where people were really, you know, cared about details and cared about messing up. Whereas now, it's a it's a yes. very different space. Kitchens. It's not. I'm not saying it's okay because it's completely not. But there is a space where that in that where people were just like. You know, the sort of perfectionist side of things and, and people showing up, actually. Mm. People turning up to work was a, you just wouldn't have not. Ever catch
0: yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.
2: Yeah. So it's interesting because just, we're coming around to the point where some a degree of fear is necessary in some things that we probably like. And I mean, the biggest one's got to be, and I'm addicted to the stuff, social media. The, mm. the, the more clickable, or in my case, the, the way I can look for a, a, a laugh, is probably a more divisive, fear-mongering topic. I'm more guilty than most stand-ups of riding whatever hashtag is the hashtag of the day and pretending I give a shit about it because I can think of something funny or a funny impression to do or a funny take on whatever it is, monkeypox or... Do I actually give a fuck? Do I actually care? Am I in fear? Probably not. Will it drive clicks, get divisive, fear-mongering debate? Probably yes. Will I sell tickets? Yes. So we come to the uncomfortable realisation that we're using this tool, social media, which has fear and division at its centre in order to work. 100%.
1: 100%. Literally, my biggest fear is if I'm going to get shadow banned by Instagram every day. Because, <laughs> I mean, I spent the, like, the last three months being like, you can't even find me out the time. Is that what's because happening? Because How I, long um, does that
2: last? Because ha- that literally happened to me last week. How do you get rid yeah, of it? So uh,
1: up to 30 days.
2: Is it 30 days?
1: Yeah, they won't tell you that either. You, you, if you ask them, they'll say that we don't shadow ban anyone i will remove you. So if anyone looks for you, you can't find you. And does that pass, wow. does that, so does that pass
2: naturally after 30 days, does it?
1: Yeah, usually it's between, it could be anything between a week, seven, uh, 12 days and a, and a month. But basically it's, just, they, they, it's the algorithm. So if you're posting lots of Boris Johnson jokes, for instance, that's why I always get shadow banned. If I post anything political or vaguely political or anything with the word cocaine in it, because <laughs> it appeared so many times in my posts, they, they they literally just the algorithm gets rid of you. It's so annoying.
2: And it's and it's weird because they it seems to favour content that does like manga there's no other way of putting it, literally manga fear.
3: It supports the narrative, you know, constantly. It really does.
1: Anything with the word COVID in, they'll send you like a little a little there'll be a little statement underneath. But you know, if you ask them why have I been shadow by then, we don't know what you're on about. We don't yeah. do that. And of course they do that, you know. But we use, I mean, if I, I have all the biggest meltdowns if I'm not getting likes on Instagram. If, if I post something that I know is going to get 40, 50,000, 100,000 likes and it's only getting 25 to 200 likes every hour i'm like oh my god i will have a meltdown i'll ring i'll ring my the guys on my team and i'll be like what's going on yeah. look into it
3: i did i did a whole redesign and i spent an absolute fortune into doing like a ton of shoes really like go making an absolute effort and now because everything's in a frame I, you know my normal likes are sort of you know eight to ten Thousands. and now it's like 100 to 200 because there's obviously something going on in, the, in that system. And you're like, oh, why don't do bother being creative on this space?
2: Do you think it's made you more fearful, social media, Gizzy, as in the, the fear that Tony's just described, the fear of popularity being so instantly measurable. If we were all yeah. doing this 30 years ago, we'd all probably still be having roughly the same amount of success, but there's not we can't log on each line and see how successful am I from 1 to a million.
3: Well, it's a mad it's a mad thing because also if you if part of your job is making money for Instagram, you have to be, you yeah. know, very yeah. conscious of that too. And yeah, I mean I I, def, I definitely fear for, you know, followers decreasing ever and then when they're increasing you're like it's okay, get your dopamine hit again yeah i'm I like it, it it does take over a lot of it like the thing that sort of frustrates me a bit is on a creative level it really is, is as simple as that you know if i'm doing something which is about my food or technique or whatever and then i get a certain amount of likes and then if i do anything about if i post a picture of me i'll get like thousands and it's just i guess one of the things is when you're looking at all the other food influencers who are new and you know they're younger and they're doing they're able to like create a reel in two seconds and they can they're sort of keeping up with, with the sort of whole system. And I feel like I'm not keeping up with it anymore, so. I think it just
1: stems back to the fact that we all want to be liked and we all want to be loved. Absolutely. And, absolutely. and it, stems, <laughs> it completely, social media taps into that more than yes, anything.
2: absolutely. You know,
1: and, and it's human nature to want to be touched and want to be loved and like, want to be hugged. And when, we, when we're on places like Instagram and we suddenly become popular on those places, you know, That feeds the ego. And yet again, where does ego come from? A place of fear. So it's kind of like one big old circle constantly going around.
2: I don't want to run out of time. And there's obviously I want to talk about relationships, but I think we can talk about it in one question. This definitely unites all types of men, gay, straight and everything in between about the fear of settling down. (laughs) seems to plague every man aged 70 to 70 of every sexual persuasion, that that something is lost in settling down. And it's my favourite man baggage statistic. I trot it out every four or five episodes, so apologies for regular listeners. But the decade of a man's life where he is most likely to stray from a stable long-term relationship, i.e. one where he's banging love and everything, is not a man in his 20s, girls. That that, that, type, that type of man is unreliable early on. But once you've got their heart, a man in their 20s are more faithful than a man in his 70s. A man in Ooh. his 70s is most likely to go on one last tour of duty if he's straight <laughs> in, in Vajganistan. Kind of as fair fun, though.
3: So. <laughs>
2: but it almost seems to be an invert of the female fear of not settling down. Not in all women. Not in all yeah. women. We have to talk about broad trends here. And it yeah. would it would be obtuse to, you know, I mean, just from sex and sex to everything else, they're all about, oh, my God, what if I don't find the one? And whereas you've got men in their 40s masturbating into a sock in a studio flat going, I've got another 10 years of this yet. I'm happy with that.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so true. But what is
2: built into the... Why are some people so scared to settle down Tone Is it the fear of sexual opportunity being lost?
1: What is it? For me, right, I, you know, you're asking the wrong person because I've spent a lifetime being a cheat. Every relationship I've ever had, I've cheated on. I had major sex addictions going on. You're now. the perfect person to ask then. What are you scared of? Yeah, I was just going to
3: say. <laughs> yeah, tell us.
1: But, you know, but now I strive to settle down. I strive. I mean, I'm actually, for the first time in my life, being in a relationship where I'm not cheating and I'm not thinking of cheating. I've been. I've, we celebrated our first year anniversary literally two weeks ago.
2: Congratulations.
1: Uh, no, last week. And... It's so transparent, he knows everything about me, he knows my past, I told him everything. You know, I long to be with one person. Yeah. I long to feel that love and that connection because I've never had it. I've been in love with so many people in my life, but they've never been enough. And you know, I've allowed addiction to make me stray at every at every direction apart from the one that I need to be going in. Yeah. And it's always happened and I've always allowed it. And it always happens the first month into a relationship. The first three weeks, four weeks, oh my God, this is the one. He's the one, definitely the one. And then what? I get home, I, the foot will come on me and I'm on, on an app or I go meet someone and I'm off for running, And then what happens is that takes over. That takes precedent over everything. That That's an addiction of, in
3: itself, isn't it? You A
1: hundred percent is. It's social media, it's in the palm of my hand. Mm. So it's sex addiction, media addiction, all of those addictions rolled into one. I'm getting my needs met. I'm getting my ego stroked. I'm getting, you know, and primarily yeah, all it's doing is, is yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> but, like, yeah. but at the end of the day, what it does do, if I've, if I've cheated four or five times in a day, which I, it goes to those extents, right? I will do that five different guys in a day when I'm in that place, right? That leaves me wanting to kill myself by 7 o'clock in the evening, like any other addiction. It's like herring. And- so for the, for the last year, I've actually not been in that place for the first time in that my life. That is amazing to hear. And I, am, I am so content with being with one person and being wanting to settle down. About to go and buy another house, move into a house with him and all of this stuff that I want to do. You know what I mean? I keep forgetting that he's like 30 it's like he's 29 actually and I'm like let's settle down let's get kids and he's like I don't want kids and I'm like Let's get another dog. You
2: all <laughs> of that stuff. Do you know Don't get addicted to dogs, yeah. Tony. Your final addiction. We found yeah. him b- buried under 14 chihuahuas in a Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> he OD'd on Labradoodles and choked on fur.
1: fur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But he> choked <laughs> on a fur ball.
2: Um, so, I mean, you, yeah. I, I realise I'm not suggesting you are this way, but you, undeniable, <laughs> most, of the fema- most of the females I know get to yeah. their mid-30s and this this fear. And being totally honest, from a straight male point of view, not me, but the men that I've known and have known in my life, the fear from men of settling down is quite a basic fear of I want to shag loads of birds and won't be able to. I would, I could intellectualise it more. I could pretend.
3: No, you don't have to. I'm there.
2: <laughs> when a female like yourself who is empowered to not settle down, is it the same thing? You just want to be shopping at the dick tree forever? Or is it a different thing going on?
3: <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm, I'm an absolute loser. My personal thing is, like, I'm the least promiscuous person in the world, but I've got my other addiction, shall we say. So, I, I don't know. Like, I think I've got girlfriends for sure who... I definitely think get into that headspace where right? it's almost like the box ticking thing becomes... But also, you've got to remember, we've got an enormous thing inside us, which is, you know, biological clock, things mm. like that that tick. And as much as I personally don't relate to that, I definitely know that women do. You know, most... I'm going to say 90%, 95% of women are concerned about not being able to have children anymore. So, you know, for me, it's like... Um, I, I have the maternal instinct of being a mother, but I don't necessarily need to have the child. So I really you know, I'd love to adopt eventually maybe mm-hmm. um, with the right person. I, I don't know, like, I yeah, I mean, there, it goes to that question that I have women who almost get to a point where they exude a sort of weird energy actually and it sort of inhibits that um, ability to get into any kind of relationship because they're so focused on yeah. that box and it's a real shame. But, you know, then you've also got the other side, of me, which actually doesn't give a shit, but then I, you know, have such a huge fear of abandonment that I'll end up being with someone, you know, I've got an addiction to going out with addicts and, um, <laughs> and this fear of abandonment that I'll let them treat me really badly because, and, and with, with extreme addict behaviour because I'm too scared of them leaving me. Does that make sense? It's not even because mm-hmm. it's the right person. That like, totally that makes sense, of course. Sense of abandonment.
2: I mean, I feel like we could talk for another hour, but we are out of time. It's been so brutally brilliant and honest. Thank you both. I mean, obviously, um, go to wherever you can find uh, Gizierski and learn all about food writing. Are you cooking anywhere? You're going to start a restaurant? Are you going to open a business? I feel like you should. Oh,
3: I'm in the middle of thing. I've Let's... got seven businesses. <laughs> yes, no,
2: no. But I mean, I feel where, where can we find else? you at the station cooking? Like, where can we oh, eat your food? Um...
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, oh God, it's too complicated at the moment for me to go into. But yeah, I've got loads of stuff. Just follow me. Well, stalk CBS your social media,
2: shadow banned yeah, or not. And, and also, <laughs> people, please, Tracy Emin have said of this book, I Don't Take Requests, if you want to change your life but can't, read this book. I have my copy delivered today. I've only dipped in and out of the first chapter. It's going with me on holiday it looks like an absolutely fantastic read so make sure you get DJ Fat Tony's I don't take requests we've already had a flavour of the the sort of life you've led so I can only imagine some of the hardcore shit that's in there boom we are done thank you very much for listening if you've come here as fans either of Tony or Gizzy by all means hang around hit subscribe do leave a review because I have this fear that I won't be properly liked and supported (laughs) by the people that have downloaded the podcast and I just can't get over it right I'm off for a wank and a cake because I'm addicted to both bye (laughs)